say all the time it's a good word because it's the word of God. I've had a beautiful time in his presence this morning. You know why? Because we slowed down a little bit and actually allowed him to move. Yeah. I realized so many times how I can bring my anxious heart into worship and it just doesn't mix well. Can I be transparent with you all this morning? Sometimes on Sunday morning, the first two songs are the hardest for me because I just want to get past it and get right to the presence and let him do the work. Because I'm not here on Sunday mornings to be singing songs along with you guys. I'm here to praise the king. And at times, because of our carnal nature, which is being perfected through Christ, amen, when we enter into his presence, all things are made new. And if we just slow down and pay attention, he begins to do a work in us. And guess what, church? He's doing an amazing work in us. Today, we're going to continue in our a series of messages called Authentic Discipleship. Somebody say discipleship. discipleship. And this word specifically is going to be titled Bonded and Insured. Yeah, so, you heard it. Bonded and Insured. So let me ask you again this morning. How are you doing this morning? You here? In a time where you see many catastrophes, we have received a secure hope in Christ through the finished work of him. But church, let me remind you this morning that our work is not done yet. It is not finished yet. So let me ask you, are you bonded and insured for this work? (laughs) Now, this isn't um, bonded and insured as especially in our field of work, so many people ask to see proof of. They're saying, are you bonded and and are you insured? I-N-S-U-R-E-D. What people are asking are, in the event that you fail at your job, am I covered? In the event that you drop the ball, am I covered? That's what people ask whenever we're selling a project or a remodel or a construction job, right? They say, are you bonded and insured? What we're asking of you today is, are you bonded and insured? E-N-S-U-R-E-D. Are you? Well, you're going to know even more what that means. I understand. I'm asking you a question. You're like, is it a trap? I don't know. We like to ask those type of questions. (laughs) Let me remind you just what these words mean. A bond is a connection between two people, especially by means of pressure or or a combination of two items under uh, an adhesive and heat. You see how sometimes God will even use heat and pressure. He'll use circumstances sometimes. It's oftentimes the difficult ones, and that's where we get our bond from. Right? Husbands and wives in the room, is that not true? It's through those difficult times that you're able to look back on together and say, man, the Lord brought us through that together. And now we have a bond unlike anything we've had before. But more importantly, we're making sure that you guys know what insure we're talking about. Insure is to make certain that something shall occur or be the case. What we're saying today is that there is a bond that 
that God desires for every one of us to live in every single day that ensures the victory that he has already purchased for it. It ensures our participation, your participation along with the other saints in your life and with Yeshua himself. Does that make sense to you? This isn't an insurance policy. God doesn't desire to give you an insurance policy as you and I understand in our day and age. He did not write an insurance policy so that you would be covered in the event of your utter failure and then compensation would be given to someone, whoever you dropped the ball on. He is coming to give you insurance in, in that he is insuring you that you will participate in the victory. He's insuring you, John, that you are going to be here now. And you're going to be with him on the last of your days in this age. And you're going to be with him from start to finish. Somebody say bonded and insured. Turn to Ephesians 4 with us. And this is where we're going to begin today's message. To be bonded and insured is to the testimony and testifies to your authentic discipleship. Today we're going to focus on these points because they are highly important. And being effective and making sure that you're getting everything you can out of discipleship. Who wants to get everything they can out of discipleship? I do. Me too. Who's in Ephesians 4? Starting in verse 2, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body. And one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all. Who is over all and through all and in all. Church, today we're going to challenge everyone in these principles of being bonded with one another. Following someone does not ensure a return in the way that being bonded ensures a multiplication of his glory on earth. This is what we're going to learn this morning. Remnant Church, we live to make every effort to live as a people who are one with Christ, which bring forth oneness with each other. But we want to challenge you this morning. In your discipleship, who have you bound yourself with? Because if you have been bonded together, there is a fruit that testifies to it. We can't say, you can't say, tell me that you and your brothers are interwoven, bonded together, and there not be any fruit. Did you catch what Pastor Devin said in the first place? He said, following is not the same thing as bonding. We talked about follow me last week, right? Are you awake, right? Come on. We're getting blood pumping now. What we said last week between Sunday and Thursday is that to follow Yeshua, to follow the God-ordained leaders in your life today is not everything. It's just the beginning of everything. So when Devin, when Devin says that to follow is not the same thing as to bond and the fruit will show the difference, we want you to be thinking through that lens for the rest of the message today because we believe you'll be blessed with some revelation maybe you haven't taken a hold of yet. 
Let me make it clear. All of you have been called. Jesus has come to every single one of you and he's asked you to what? Follow me. But there's a difference from those who follow him and those who are bound to him. Yeah. There's a difference between you following or admiring somebody in this church and there's another thing to be bound with that person. Yeah. And we're going to learn the difference of that this morning. But I want to remind you that this principle and this thing that we implement is for a, a main purpose and is out of Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9. It says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Yeah, they do. If one falls, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one, no one, no one to help him. Also, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Come on, whenever you think of a cord of three strands, do you think of those three different strands in three different places, or do you believe they would be together? There's a principle of a wovenness in nature. There's a principle of being bonded together as one. Why? Because it brings a good return. You'll never be able to bring forth the return that you desire without someone else. First being Christ, and then along the way, God's going to teach you that you are supposed to be attached to others. Today, we are reminding you that it's not, just, it's not good enough to just follow. You have to bound yourself. Hey, you, most of us have been in, in, in or in and out of church our entire lives. Maybe not every one of you, but most of us in this room. We've all heard, especially at weddings or, uh, you know, times like that, like, man was not meant to be alone. God saw that Adam did not have a helper, right? And it, it displeased God to see him because man was not meant to go at it alone. Have you heard things like that before in church? Yeah. Like, never meant to be alone, never alone. People say, like, say that stuff, but it becomes just, it just becomes this church Christianity language that we talk about where everybody says it, but you don't ever actually see it. Because you see the same people who are leading churches everywhere, pastors divorcing their wives left and right in this society. Does that seem very bonded to you? It doesn't seem very bonded to me. Or you see... You see families splitting. You see churches splitting. You see fathers turning against sons and sons turning against fathers. And that's the nature of much of our Western church today. We are elevating your understanding today from, an, from a bond that looks more like you trying to attach like maybe some, sometimes we can think of ourselves in this way. We're, we're going from thinking of yourself as a leech attached to a stronger man or woman of God in the kingdom where you're like, I just can't make it another day without them giving me the sustenance to live. I can't make it another day unless they intercede for me to being woven together. As Pastor Devin said, these are two different realities. You were not called necessarily to just be there and taking the life from someone else for yourself. And that's it. 
Devin is talking about a mutual relationship that though one might know more than the other, though one might have been walking with Jesus more years than the other, they have a mutual relationship, right? They have a reciprocate, they have a reciprocal relationship where God is interchanging things between those two parties because they are bonded together in the same love that Yeshua has for us. Listen to what Romans chapter 1 verse 8 says about that. Verse 8. First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit, is preaching the gospel of his son. Is my witness how constantly I remember you. And my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to make you strong. That is, that you and I may mutually be encouraged by each other's faith. Amen. Church, in proper attachment, there is confidence in your discipler that you are and will continue to grow into mutual encouragement and faith with one another. Yeah. I don't leech off of you, and you do not leech off of me, but instead, as iron sharpens iron, we all become exactly what the Father has intended us to be as sons and daughters. We got to understand this this morning, that everyone in the body of Christ has a role. Everyone within the family has a role, and everyone in a family will grow into exactly what they are called to be, and it comes by mutual encouragement. This is what happens when you attach yourself to one another in your life. Listen, Paul did not long to see this church only because he had something good to impart to them. They were a testament of a group of men and women who were serious about taking what was given to them and growing it, which became mutual encouragement to them. Have you guys ever taught somebody something and then they come back to you and you're like, man, you got really awesome at that. And it encouraged you because you were playing a part in the growth and development of that person. This is Paul in the churches. He just longs to be with them, but he also trusts the good seed of faith that was planted in them. So the moment that he comes and sees them uh, after a stint in chains, would you imagine that be refreshing to a soul? Yeah. This is mutual encouragement. And this is what it looks like to be tethered, to be attached, to be bonded to each other. To what? Ensure a lasting fruit for the generations to come. Two are better than one. And God did not design man to be alone. Yeah. But instead, become bonded to another to ensure that what was started in them would be accomplished. You cannot fulfill what God has purposed you. Listen to this. Without being bonded together, it's impossible. You'll only be able to do so much alone. You've always been required to be bonded together. It's the only way. It is the very thing that ensures victory. Now, there are a few Greek words we want to teach you guys this morning. And I really need you to listen carefully because I don't have a screen to throw it up on and point at. 
right? So I need you to listen carefully to the things that I'm reading off to you. Our first word, we have two Greek words we're going to teach you this morning. The first one is sundesmos. Say sundesmos. Sundesmos. In the Greek, our letters S-Y-N make more of a O sound than a, how we pronounce it in, in our language, right? So this is spelled S-Y-N-D-E-S-M-O-S. And you'll start to see where that prefix on this word comes into our English language in many cool ways that is going to make today's message make a lot more sense to you. The word syndesmos is a joint or a tie, much like a ligament that holds two bones together. See, Joe, I told you you'd like today's message. It's much like a ligament that holds parts of your body together. That is what sundesmos is. It's a uniting principle, a band or a bond between two or more things. That's good. Now, where this translates really nicely into our English language today is much like a synapse. You guys know what a synapse is or synapses? That is a junction between two nerve cells, right? So we have, you have your brain, and from your brain, there, you have an entire nervous system that connects through every single extremity of your body that tells everything what to do. All, your fingers and your toes, your feet, your legs, your arms, your heartbeat even, everything knows how to do what it does because it is receiving that electrical impulse from your brain all the way to that. That requires a bond, right? This, these, this connection between nerve cells allows these impulses, this information, this, a complete unity to happen across your entire body. Our second Greek word for you today is sunergeo. Say sunergeo. Sunergeo. So this word here is where we get our, in our English language, where we get our word synergy from. So sunergeo is to be a fellow worker, to cooperate, to help, or to work together, to be workers together. Amen. That made... Pastor Devin and I immediately think of this word synergy because in the word synergy, you start to think about mechanisms or machines or organisms or things working together and they have synergy. If you've ever heard somebody say like they have synergy, right? That like maybe in a marriage, a husband and wife, you're like, man, they work really well together. They just kind of flow together. They have great synergy. This is what we're talking about today because synergy is the result of a synapse of a synaptic type connection between two people or or more you must have that bond you must have that connection to become the co-workers together you can't have one before the other what happens if we have a vertebrae that's out of place what happens if a part of your back is out of place all of a sudden not only does it hurt, but it can cause paralysis. Paralysis is whenever something is interrupting the, the flow from your brain to that limb to tell it what to do. Do you know who the head is in this body? 
What's his name? His name is Jesus. And very often the church is paralyzed because there is a break in connection between you and him. We have to be linked together like ligaments. We have to be linked together like these nerve cells that make a body be able to operate together. Working together in a way that is more beneficial than working apart. Because this is what just Google's dictionary definition for synergy is. Y'all will love this. Synergy is the interaction or cooperation of two or more organisms substances or other agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects isn't that amazing that the Schobert family and the strata family could walk it just in our own lanes the rest of our lives and serve jesus and we would have as pastor devin said earlier a certain amount of impact but what happens is, is that whenever we combine our families together here at Remnant Church, when you are bonded together with those who are discipling and leading you, and you allow your children or your disciples to bond with you, then all of a sudden what the two of you could have done separately does not compare to what the two of you will do together. Amen. Isn't that amazing that God compounds our effectiveness by being connected with each other? A synaptic connection from our brain being broken, church, is what we're facing in much of the church today. That's why we see so much paralysis in the church, is there is a fundamental break in connection with the head. The body of Christ is like this, and it's not because we operate differently. It's not because we sing different. It's not because we worship different. It's not because we preach different. It's not because some speak in tongues and some choose not to in a moment or something like that. Though there are many things that can cause a difference in theology, there is a fundamental break first and foremost with the connection with the head being Christ that causes us to grow apart from each other. So what we're looking at today, as I said earlier, is a growing kind of bond going from that of a nursing mother and her baby to more like two brothers who make covenant with each other and are bonded through it. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Actually, y'all turn with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Somebody say synergy when you get there. Paul writes Corinth in Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, and says, As for me, brothers, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual people, but as worldly people, as babies, so far as experience with the Messiah is concerned. I wow. love the CJB's translation here. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food, because you were not ready for it. I'll tell you that... That good fathers, that good fathers know what their child needs to be sustained. Yeah. They don't expect their five-month-old baby to be able to cut and eat their own steak right off the grill. Right? It's necessary. It's necessary 
that we start in a place where you are going back to some, uh, where we're in some fundamental subjects. We're talking about knowing that you're a son or daughter in the kingdom of God. We're talking about knowing that you're beloved by God. We're talking about that you are brothers with Yeshua, the Messiah, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. These are all life-changing subjects that we've talked about before, but these are Peshat, as they say in the Hebrew, plain writings in the scriptures that are right there in front of us. Elementary subjects, as Paul calls them. Paul says, for you are still worldly. Isn't it obvious from all the jealousy and quarreling among you? So if you were wondering if the last verse applied to you or not, weigh yourself out with verse 3. Isn't it obvious from all the jealousy and quarreling among you that you are worldly and living by merely human standards? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you being merely human? After all, what is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to trust. Indeed, it was the Lord who brought you to trust through one of us or through another. I planted the seed, says Paul, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. So neither the planter nor the waterer is anything. Only God makes things grow only God makes things grow planter and waterer are the same says Paul so you can remove whether or not you feel like your calling's as important as the one next to you by interacting with that scripture right there the planter and the waterer are the same. However, says Paul, each will be rewarded according to his work, for we are God's co-workers. Hmm. Not employees. Co-workers. You are God's field, says Paul to the church at Corinth. You are God's field, remnant church. You are God's building, remnant church. Using the grace God gave me, said Paul, I laid a foundation like a skilled master builder, and another man is building on it. Hallelujah, that's generational ministry. But let each one be careful how he builds. For no one, no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Yeshua, the Messiah. And that is exactly what we have been doing these past months, is checking that foundation. Is your foundation only Yeshua? Or is your foundation Yeshua and some of my works? Or Yeshua and some of my skills, talents, and abilities? Is your identity fully found in Yahweh? Or is it found in your careers and everything else that you're sown into? Church, as, as far as bonds go, a nursing child and, and their mother, that is a precious connection, right? God has even made us so that on a hormonal level, there's an exchange that where it seems like only one party is benefiting, the mother is also benefiting by a, a divine scientific connection occurring between that nursing child and her. That's incredible because it seems like one is losing and the other one's winning. It seems like one's given all the effort and the other one's just taking everything. Does that ever look like that in discipleship? 
Have you ever felt like that? I felt like that. I felt like, man, I feel like I'm not showing up with anything. I feel like Pastor Mike's doing everything for me. Yeah, he's needing to do everything for me at that moment because I didn't know how to do that. And even if I did know how to do it, it didn't, doesn't mean God's given me the authority to do it. This is, so what we're saying today is that kind of a bond is precious. But God desires for every single one of you in this room to grow from that kind of a bond to one that's like two people, like a marriage, two people coming together and having to lay something down in their life, having to give something up so that then they can gain something better that's unified between, the two, between the, those two parties when they become one. Is this making sense to you today? We must mature, church, and brothers who choose to make covenant and therefore be bound together is so much better than, than the one before. There's something good, and as Paul says, let us show you a better way because God desires for us to lay down our lives that we might be interwoven with each other. There's a time in your walk with Christ where you lose everything. And I believe that's the day that you actually start to begin to live in him because what he makes out of you is not just you anymore. It's Christ in you. The day that you enter into covenant, Devin was gone. Dylan was gone. Avery was gone. Dylan Tico was gone. But it was Christ in us. And it created almost like this adhesive nature where we can come to brothers and actually bond together for the first time. The Holy Spirit in us is the reason why we can do this. Because you've received His Spirit, you can now bond together in such a way where if Kaysen's speaking, they see Devin, and if Devin's speaking, they see Kaysen. And it's not because of our strengths or our weaknesses, it's because of Him. It's because of the Father. We all desire all of you to be bonded in such a way in your discipleship and your brotherhood and, and to Christ that you can't be seen anymore. It's not about you anymore. It's about them. Let's turn to Acts 8 this morning and say synergy while we get there. Synergy was a type of word. It was actually a word that I was missing in my, my life. It defined everything that I wanted to be, everything that Jamie and I want to be, everything that I want me and my disciples to be, me and my sons to be. I want us to have a synergy, a greater power developed than what we could do by ourselves. Do you know why? Because that's my experience in Christ. Yeah. I can only go so far. I can only impress somebody so long until they realize that, oh, I'm not that great outside of the Lord. You, are, you know that, right? People aren't great at all. The Lord is great in them. Amen. You can go around and and uh, fake it until you make it. And even the great men of this world will eventually be dethroned. But we serve a king that's throne lasts forever. This is the greatness that we get to walk in and the synergy that we get to take part in. Who's in Acts 8? Starting in verse 9, it says, Now, for some time, a, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, 
gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. Man, this is almost as cool as some dude that drives an 18-inch lifted truck named the great power. <laughs> Obviously, this is somebody just compensating right now. So, yeah, call me the great power with a, a big G and a big P. <laughs> they followed him, the Lord of the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed, Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Check this out. Simon himself believed and was baptized. Man, somebody realized they weren't so great. Jesus got him. Got him. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Man, he considered himself to be somebody that was great. And then he was like, come into the real divine union. Say Simon followed, followed uh, Philip. Simon. Without the us part. Simon followed Philip. Simon followed Philip. <laughs> Check this out. It goes on to say in verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Oh, no. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. Come on, that's some synergy. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the hands, he offered them money. He's like, can I buy this with the money I have in my pocket? Give me also this ability so that everyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you. Great power. Because you thought you could buy this a gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Come on, you will never receive the synergy that God requires until your heart gets right before him. What was this all about? This was all about Simon in this moment. Even after being baptized, even after becoming a convert and baptized into Jesus, what was the next thing that he needed to receive? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because I believe it's the thing that bonds us together. But what did he offer them? He offered them money. And what did Peter, John, and Peter here say to this man? You cannot buy what was given from heaven. You cannot buy what was given from heaven. And if you want this type of unity, you're going to have to die for it. So that you might be resurrected into life. What I thought was beautiful as Peter and John placed their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It wasn't about Peter's hands. It even wasn't even about John's hands. It was about their bondedness together to allow that to happen. You realize anything that you ever do is because you are bond, bound to the Lord. When you lay your hands on somebody, whose power is going through you? It's his. Yeah. We are a conduit of his Holy Spirit. And unlike Simon, we are those who have been bought by the blood of Christ 
to receive the Holy Spirit for the purpose of what? So that we might be a brotherhood who is bound together. Yeah. Yeah. They go on to later say in verse 22, repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Do you remember a time when you were full of bitterness and captive to sin? It was probably when you were alone, untethered, and falling into pits because you are not bound to a father who loves you to help you grow. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When they have testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in Samaritan, uh, the Samaritan villages. Simon, a man of great power, in the eyes of mere men, came into contact with men who carried a greater synergy than what can be attained by any money, church. Bonded brothers, Peter and John, both placed their hands on men, and it caused a transformation that was far worth more than magic or sorcery. Come on, somebody can trick you for a little bit, but tricks aren't truth. Yeah. You carry truth. You don't trick people anymore. Yeah. That's why we rest in our confidence, because if somebody tries to argue your experience, it's a weak argument because you experienced it. We don't live in tricks. We don't live in sorcery. We live in truth and by the works of Jesus Christ. So was it, uh, was Philip, did Philip commit his life to Jesus and get baptized before or after he offered to pay the money for the Holy Spirit? Before. Guys, you have to know that today this absolutely can and does apply to you. That, I, look, I know none of you are out practicing sorcery like, you know, Harry Potter waving a wand around doing stuff like that. But you might be practicing sorcery or witchcraft in the sense of trying to manipulate and lie, peop lie to people because that's what witchcraft biblically actually means is a mind manipulation of people around you or any of you trying to convince other people around you that you're doing better than you really are. That's witchcraft. Biblically, that is by definition, word for word, letter for letter, witchcraft. If you, are you trying to manipulate your spouse into doing things for you? Yeah, warlocks. <laughs> Wrestle with that one for a second. Guys, whenever Simon goes to Peter and John and Philip and offers some sort of compensation, in this case it was gold, for you it might be Hey, I promise I'll study and I'll read all these books and I'll listen to all these sermons. I'll buy my way in to being able to walk in power like you do, man or woman of God. What's your buy-in? For Simon, it was gold. For you, is it your ministry training prereqs? Is it your ministry training class coming up? Is it the One Association Conference? What's your buy-in? Is it coming to every single remnant church service? Today, you have to know the difference between trying to buy in to something that you have no ability to buy into and then therefore will never actually participate in or 
I mean, you have to know the difference between that and the kind of synergy that we see between these apostles. But this is why, church, follow with me, this is why we aim for unity and not uniformity. You hear me? This is why we aim for unity and not uniformity. There is no unity in uniformity. Because everything is cloned in uniformity and is of the exact same form. There's not an opportunity for unity. If you had a clone of yourself that thought, behaved, felt, physically operated, everything just like you do, would you have to unify with them? No. But what if it's a different person? What if it's a spouse? What if it's a pastor? What if it's a disciple? What if it's your children? What if it's two or more entities having to come in a unique way and say, I'm giving up some of my rights, you're giving up some of your rights, and we're going to bond together today so that maybe someday down the road we'll have a synergy that we'll be operating better together than we would be actually operating alone. There is no unity in uniformity because everything is cloned. Unity, or ihad, as we like to say, is seen when two or more unique people can come together in the Holy Spirit, bonded in love, and operate together against all forces of gravity pulling against it. You ever feel forces of gravity pulling against the bonds that you have with some of your most loved ones? Right here in this church, right there under your roof, sometimes in bed right next to you, you feel a weight pulling against the bond that is between the two of you. All things wicked and evil are coming to destroy that bond that you have with Christ. That bond that you have with your spouse, the bond that you have with your friends the, in Christ, the bond that you have with your pastors and disciplers, or the bond that you have with your disciples and your children. Satan and everything that runs with him is aiming to destroy that. Because if they can break the connection, then they can completely paralyze the intended purpose of that person. Unity or ihad is when two unique people come together, bonded in love, and operate together. Would it have been okay if Simon just learned how to do everything exactly the way the the apostles displayed it? No. It required him to bond with them by way of Christ and his Holy Spirit so that implementation and multiplication can be ensured down the road. Is it about, is it about how Apollos does it? Is it about how Paul does it? Is it about how Peter does it or Philip does it? What if he laid his hands exactly the same way that they did it? What if he spoke with the same intensity that they did? What if they, he pronounced the words the same way? What if he prayed just like they do? Would it have worked? Without first the bond that comes by the Holy Spirit that then unites us together to be able to have that synergy? No. And that's what we're telling you today. That Last week we preached to you about the importance of getting up and moving and following. And today, that nothing else moving forward from here in your life of being a disciple of Christ and a disciple of this church is possible if you do not have that bond with Yeshua and with those who are leading you here in this place. Do you hear me today?
First Corinthians chapter 3 that I read earlier spoke about this really clearly. It's not about any one of those guys. The bond is what's most important. Unity will come within a bond. Hear me. Unity will come with a bond. It takes time for two entities to be unified together, right? But, but you can be bonded I tell you, the day that I made a marriage covenant with, with Kendall, that day we were bound together. That's it. Done deal. Covenant. We were bonded. Done. But we're always working on our unity together. We're always working to be in Mark Ichad, to always be th- thinking and operating and feeling the same way and operating with the Holy Spirit the same way. Those things come with time. First Corinthians chapter 3 spoke about that, though. That unity will come within a bond, but unity does not come from conformity. And there are a few in this church who I think still believe that. Unity does not come from conformity. If you preach like me or you minister like Pastor Devin, if you pray like Pastor Mike, just because you do those things in those ways does not create unity between any of us. Can you ever, do you ever have a spouse or a child who's obedient, but you can tell that they don't want to be obedient? Is it the same thing? Does it mean the same thing to you when someone's doing what they have to do, not because they want to, because they know they have to? This is the difference. This is the difference between a genuine bond and then obligation or conformity. Yeshua is not asking us to conform with one another. He's asking us to be bonded with one another that over time we will start to look we will people will start to mistake us for each other. Isn't that beautiful that then those things can happen down the road? Otherwise, church, if uniformity if uniformity came from conformity, you would have all been perfect disciples by now. I would have been a perfect disciple by now. Already because we bought the discipleship training handbook and we would have just conformed to the discipleship training handbook and then we'd all be perfect disciples because we conformed. Did that work? How many times have some of you been through that book? I've been through it four times now. Guys, it doesn't work. And let me sh- now listen to what John says in John chapter 1 about this. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But to as many as did receive him, Jesus to those who put their trust in his person and his power, he gave the right to become children of God. Not because of bloodline, being related doesn't make you have a bond. Right? Or physical impulse. Physical interaction with another person does not necessarily mean that there's a bond, right? Or human intention. No matter how intentional you are. It doesn't necessarily mean you have a bond. But because of God, John chapter 1 says, the word became a human being and lived with us and we saw his Shekinah, the Shekinah of the Father's only son full of grace and truth. Can we agree that no amount of intention or conformity can create a covenant bond? We must be bonded together as sons and daughters through the love of Christ made manifest in our love for one another. This creates a bond that not only resists fractures from outside forces, but one, 
but one where we love and choose to prioritize each other because we want to, not because we have to. Here's a great example that Pastor Devin has of that. Y'all begin to turn to Ruth chapter 1. We didn't plan this, Ruth. (laughs) So good to have you here, though. You know, somewhere along the way in my discipleship, I tried many ways to bond myself with men that I wanted to be like. And it fell flat on its face because it wasn't the bond that God was looking for. You can have a man who likes NASCAR and you can have a man that likes the NBA. And that doesn't even matter at the end of the day because the only thing that you can be bound by is God alone. What's going to happen over the years is you're going to start to realize that having close sons, close friends in your life will become more and more difficult for those who still want to bond over things that don't matter anymore. God's creating a discrepancy in the room, and it's for the purpose of those people realizing that they aren't where they think they are. They need to be bonded to Christ. They need to get serious about discipleship. And this isn't an arrogance. This isn't something that where we're going to become unapproachable. No, we should become more approachable, but we should definitely become unapproachable to sin. We should definitely become unapproachable to the things that are killing people. Um, there's only two, two things you can do with your sin. You can run um, w- with your sin, or you can run towards the thing that will demolish your sin. I want to be an example of something you can walk towards to get your sin wrecked. And every single one of you, it's because it's a desire of a son's heart. He doesn't desire sons to be still in the pit. He desires them to be free. Are you in Ruth 1? Pastor Casey and I were talking yesterday, and we were realizing that we're quite different in some ways. I think in pictures. He thinks by words. And I thought Ruth 1 was a perfect picture encapsulating exactly what we're working towards. Because it's not just about, let me make something clear to you. Even if you have the Holy Spirit in this room this morning, does not mean that you're bonded to us. It doesn't mean that. It means you have what you need to be bonded, but you're not bonded yet. That's good. But today, I want to show you a woman who lived this lifestyle that we are all going for this morning. Ruth 1, verse 14. You there? At this, they wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth, she clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you. Or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you from me. Church, this woman, who was not only willing to follow but was one who wanted nothing more than that 
Sundesmos. Sundesmos, or bonded with Naomi. There was nothing more she wanted than to be bound to the life of Naomi. This is where it all starts. Attaching yourself to everything and anything that the one who chose you is doing. This is where it starts. Who wants to have unbreakable bonded relationships in here? I do. I want to encourage you today that they are only they are already being formed in our midst. But it will require everything in your life to get it. Are you ready to give everything for it? Yes. It's worth it. Why do we do it though? Is the question. Because this is the type of relationships God's intended for mankind to have from the beginning. There's no other way. Friends who are closer than brothers. Joshua, you know you're a friend closer than a brother to me? And we will be doing this forever together. Because God has bonded you to us. And fathers who have households full of cherished sons who grow up never considering whether they are loved or not. This is what bonded relationships do. It casts out all fear. No, we're doing this together because we have a synergy together that no other men have with us. And it's from the Holy Spirit because I cannot do what I do unless I have Kaysen in my life. I cannot do what I do unless I have Pastor Landon in my life. I cannot do what I do unless I have Pastor Michael in my life, yeah. unless I have Dylan Tico in my life, and unless I have John Engelbrecht in my life, unless I have Joe Gizzy in my life, yeah. and every single one of you men. I cannot do what I do unless we are walking in a bonded relationship. Yeah. Where you go, you, I will go. Where they stay, you stay. And their people are your people. You have now found the authentic discipleship that you and everyone else has needed to ensure his glory might multiply on this earth. You know, people walk away from the church in offense and try to go start other ministries. It's not a ministry. It never works ever, ever, ever. It's because the synergy that was granted by God cannot flow through a man who has decided to divorce relationship to brothers. That man is cursed. And the only, only way to find that synergy again is through repentance. Do not be fooled today. You are here for a reason. Because you were called to be attached so that God might display his works in your life. But outside of him and outside of this family of Christ, not just this church, you cannot do anything. I want to point out something beautiful here in light of mutual encouragement, like I was talking about earlier. Paul was encouraged by his sons and daughters growing what was given to them. Fathers and son are always meant to mutually encourage one another. Yeah. Let us go back in Ruth 1, and let's start ver- verse 8. We're going to b- read some context in this story. Ruth 1, verse 8. Then Naomi said to her, to daughters-in-law, Go back 
each one of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown, uh, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each one of you will find rest and the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to two sons, would you wait until they grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her, like we read before. In this moment, you see Naomi encouraging her daughters-in-law to go home and find husbands that they could multiply with because she did not believe that she would be able to impart what was needed to fulfill God's intended purpose for their lives. Go home. I can't do it. This led to God, to a God-ordained mother asking her children to leave out of pain that she could not give them what she believed they wanted. Just leave. I can't, I can't give you what you need. I can't give you what you want. Just go. It pains me to see this. Leave. Yeah. Despite this, it was the heart of a spiritual child, Ruth, that corrected and then reminded Naomi that she is everything that she's ever longed for in her life. <laughs> there was nothing more she wanted to do than cling, bond, attach to Naomi and spend the rest of her life doing what she did. Yeah. Church, your pursuit in attaching yourself to your fathers is the very thing that reminds them of the value that God has placed in them. You have fathers in your life, but fathers cannot be fathers unless they have sons reminding them who they are. You live your life thinking you're being discipled, but you don't know how much you're actually discipling us too. Growing us into all we've ever intended to be, and this is why the young and old were always intended to work together. Be unified together. It's not you leeching off of me. It's not me leeching off of you, but it's a synergy that only comes by the way of sonship. Because fathers don't become fathers until they have first become sons. You remind us that the bond between fathers and sons are the very thing that ensures the fulfillment of someone's calling in life. Only following your leaders, only following your leaders at home does not require your need to be bonded to them. Becoming bonded with your fathers Eliminates all seeds of doubt and uncertainty that what you are doing is of no value. When you have real relationships, real bond of relationships, you don't sit there in the car and think about, is what, am I, 
Is what I'm doing valuable enough? Is what, am I, is what I'm doing right? Is what I'm doing this? Is what I'm doing that? No, the moment that you're attached and you have the relationships like these, mm-hmm. nobody can argue with your experience because the synergy that you then receive from it, it testifies to the work that God's always designed to do in mankind. So let me ask you this. Is there a synergy in your life that testifies to a bonded relationship with others? And be real with yourself this morning. Do we need to grow closer to each other? Do you need to grow closer to your disciples? Do you need to grow closer to your brothers? Because there's no room for hostility anymore. That's right. There's no room for any hostility, awkwardness. Um, Icebreaker conversations. Jason and I don't have icebreaker conversations with each other. <laughs> no. No, we crack each other with the hammer. That's what we do. Because we have a synergy now that whenever we do that, it only builds each other up. This is a bonded relationship. The, 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 the relationship that I have with my father, it's unbreakable. It's not because he, uh, he is my natural father. It's because he's my spiritual father, first and foremost. Yeah. That has become of such value to me. That now, it's unbreakable. You all in this room can and do have these relationships. But it's time to continue to draw closer. Are you bonded and insured? The son spurs on the father and the father spurs on the son to be all that the heavenly father has designed them to be. Son, you'll be a father one day, but just enjoy being a son. And let me enjoy being a father to a son who loves me. This is a bonded relationship. This is mutual affection. And this will ensure the victory for Christ Jesus. This is the importance of a bonded relationship. And this ensures that a harvest will come forth through men and women who, who live to serve the king with one another. We cannot simply follow church. We must then attach ourselves in every possible way. And what every way we can. In a in a message coming from the two of us on a subject of bonding together, and we're talking about authentic discipleship. You, we're not only speaking to the sons, to the daughters, to the disciples in the room. We're wanting you fathers, you mothers, you leaders, you disciplers to be impacted by what this real bond is. Because it's not always, though it's easy for those of us who are being fathered actively at a crucial time in our lives, it's easy for your children, it's easy for disciples to think, man, this relationship isn't what it is, and it's all my fault. Because they don't know any better. But parents, do you have you ever laid down your head at night, parents, and been like, a little broken in your heart because you were just not as connected with one of your kids as you'd like to be. You're like, I don't, I don't get it. We just, we don't connect and it breaks my heart because we're supposed to have what we're saying is a, is a synergy together and I need help. Tell you guys, pastors, fathers, mothers, leaders, disciplers, we all need this. You all need this. Fathers, sons, mothers, daughters, leaders, and disciples, where does your sense of bond come from? Where does your sense of bond come from? 
In this case, Naomi did not feel that synergy with Ruth in that moment. And she said the only way that this is ever going to work again is, is that if we have something in common, a.k.a. a son slash husband for you. She said, would you even wait however many years it took for me to produce another son so that then we can actually be connected? And Ruth's saying it's not about that. It's about you and me. It's not about the thing that connects the two of us. It's that I love you and I am laying down my life to be as connected and bonded with you as God will allow me to. And that you're doing the same thing for me. We must be bonded. And it was, as it was said Thursday, following is not everything. It's just the beginning of everything. Following wasn't enough for the crowds around Jesus, was it? Not everyone who was in a crowd following Jesus will be standing there next to you or me at the end of the age. Following wasn't enough for them. Who was, who was in the private places with Yeshua? When Yeshua went to go pray, who was with him? Those who were bonded to him. Not the crowds who were following him. Those who were bonded to him. Who did Yeshua entrust everything to? Those who had perfectly implemented everything the, exactly the way that he had shown them? Huh? No. Most definitely not. He entrusted everything to those whom he had bonded with in love in a way that surpasses personality quirks, mistakes, disagreements, cowardice, and yes, even sin. It's funny, the very man he goes to and has that conversation with after the resurrection was arguably the one who had messed up the most, second only to the betrayer himself. He said to Yeshua, I never knew him. I never knew him. I never knew him three times. And Yeshua was willing to cover all of that with just an announcement of love, not even a proof of love yet. That was enough to cover. So back to the original question, where does your sense of bond come from? You Naomi's in the room. You leaders and parents who do not find yourselves adequate to lead those who are in your trail. Are you really assured of your calling and identity because someone is imitating you? Because it takes some time, right? I mean, from all the ways that Brother Evan here is amazing. He can't do everything that you're doing yet, right, Joe? Are you really assured about your calling and your identity because someone is imitating you? Or are you okay with any level of imitation that comes from a place of being bonded in love with one another? Understanding that that unity, that that imitation will come with time. But what's most important, what's most important is that our bond is founded not on that we have things in common or do things in a common way. Not that we have conformed to each other, but that because we are unified in love with one another. What do you prefer? A robotic representation from those who follow you? Or a devoted love from someone that's willing to say, I'm never leaving. I'm with you through thick and thin, no matter what, and nothing but death itself is going to separate me from you. That's the kind of synergy that we are aiming for today. 
So parents and leaders, be encouraged today. Obedience and imitation does come, and it is important, and it comes with time. Treasure those moments of simply being together and being bonded. You know how important that is? This, we mess this up in the Western church so much. We're so quick to get to the fruit part that we ditch out on the relationship and the, and the process of seed time and harvest. We skip out on the time part between the seed and the harvest, and we ditch out on the relationship because it's not producing fruit enough. Or maybe you don't completely abandon. You just start to distance yourself. There's a, we have to stop doing that. You have to sow into those kids in your house. You have to sow into those disciples in your life and believe that with time, that unity will come. Stop putting them off to the side just because you don't have that synergy right now. That's a good word. We want everyone to understand today that before we ever get to that place of fruit, a person devoted in love to a field, despite all of its thorns and rocks, is the person you'll find bringing sheaves in in the end. Those who sow in tears of love will bring back a harvest of joy in the end. Just do not become discouraged in the time part. Keep loving on that field. Keep sowing tears of intercession over that field. Keep fertilizing and clearing that field. Keep guarding that field from intruders because a harvest is coming. A harvest is coming. It's just a matter of time. Colossians chapter 2, 18, as we are coming to a close today, says this. Don't let anyone deny you the prize by insisting that you engage in self-mortification or angel worship. Let me translate for you. Do not let anyone deny you the prize by teaching you that discipline alone is going to get it or that being ultra-spiritual is going to get it for you. Such people are always going on about some vision that they had, and they vainly puff themselves up with their worldly outlooks. They fail to hold to the head. There is a break in the synapsis from one to another. They fail to hold to the head, from whom the whole body, receiving supply and being held together by its joints and ligaments, grows as God makes it grow. If along with the Messiah you died to the elemental spirits of the world, then why, as if, you belonged, as if you still belong to the world, are you letting yourselves be bothered by its rules? Don't touch this. Don't eat that. Don't handle that either. Such prohibitions are concerned with things meant to perish by being used, not by being avoided. <laughs> and they are based on man-made rules and teachings, a.k.a. traditions. They do indeed have the outward appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed religious observances or traditions, false humility and asceticism, but they have no value at all in restraining people from indulging in their old nature. Listen to me one last time. Conformity does not produce unity. We have to be bonded together in love that comes only from Yeshua so that then we might be ensured that God would ensure us for the victory that he had already purchased for us. That's a good word, saints. So let me get this straight. 
synergy, supernatural synergy, comes from corporate unity, not individual, what'd you call it? Individualism. Individual uniformity. Yeah. There you go. That's good. That's better. That's a good word. So single people get this really quickly, far before married people do. You know why? Because we forget that Genesis 2 says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. So one plus one equals one. Ezekiel 37. For the hand of the Lord is upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me into the middle of a valley with very dry bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw great many bones on the floor in the valley, and bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live again? And I said, Sovereign Lord, only you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to the bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. For this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. Singular. One collection of dry bones becoming one. And you will come to life. And I, I will attach ligaments to you. And you, I will make flesh come upon you, and that's when you'll come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. <laughs> Stay with me. There is no unity in individuality, there is only synergy. In corporate anointing. We work together as a team and we have become attached to one another. Because if we don't, this valley of dry bones will never rise to the army it's supposed to be. Are we getting this, saints? We are taking, slowing down and taking time to thoroughly walk you through what authentic discipleship looks like. It's not a program. It's a life. A life of a valley of dry bones coming to life together. If you showed up for a sage on the stage or an individual that you like that better than the other, you missed the point. You're here for that person and not for Jesus. Jesus brought you here so that you would learn to be part of a collective body. And he brought you to the table that he brought every one of us to. And it's a round table. Every single one of us have something to bring to this table. This will cause us to stop showing up to get something and start showing up to give something. Amen? Amen. Because when that happens, this land and the kingdom of darkness is in danger. Amen? Amen. Pray for us. Amen. I'm going to close out with Ephesians 4, and then we're going to pray. Verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. 
Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Lord, we were all called to one hope. Lord God, you are making us to be a people, Lord God, who are, Lord, intertwined, woven together, Lord, by your spirit. Lord, I'm asking, Lord God, that there would be a mutual encouragement happening within this church between sons and fathers. Lord God, that sons would grow into being who they ought to be, and fathers grow into the fathers that they ought to be. Lord God, and that we do this by your spirit. Lord, I'm asking that you raise our expectation as a ministry. Lord God, we know that you want to do beautiful things. Lord God, and I'm also asking that you convict the hearts of those who have been walking in individualism, Lord. Lord, those who have been walking in selfishness. Lord God, we crucify it on the cross today. Lord, and we understand that a life in you has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with them. Lord, so we're asking today, Lord, that you continually open up our eyes Lord, I'm asking that you give families, Lord, even new direction coming into this new year. Lord God, that would cause them to free up space, to make room, and prepare a table for son, sons and daughters to come sit at it. Because you sit us at your table, Lord. Lord, teach us what true attachment looks like. Lord, and thank you that we are bonded and insured in your kingdom. Lord, we love you. We give thanks to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.